I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. You got out basically in 2005, but you found USPSA in 2014. That's a pretty decent gap. How did you find out about the USPSA? Um, so I talked a little bit about it in my intro. Uh, so I was very much in the tactical defensive community at the time. So uh, Pat Rogers, uh, Frank Proctor, Mike Pannone, you know, kind of went to all those classes trying, trying to learn how to essentially stay competent in my in my firearm skills. And one of the things I noticed in the process of trying to look to, to maintain my firearm skills is that, okay, well, I can shoot a rifle, but God, I am so terrible at a pistol. I mean, it's, it's actually kind of embarrassing when I look back on it and just how unskilled I was. <clears throat> so at the time, uh, I don't know, do you remember Todd Lewis Green? He was a State Department, a DSS agent. So Todd Lewis Green used to run a, uh, a forum called the Pistol Forum. So Todd Lewis Green is, you know, unfortunately he passed away from cancer, but then uh, Ernie Langdon is basically carrying on the torch for him. And so that's where I know the name. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there's a guy that I do by the name of Gabe White. So Gabe White is a USPSA. He, he got into USPSA and he had a range diary and he posted it up on the pistol forums. And I went and looked at it and thought, okay, you know, Gabe White was fairly well respected. Uh, he was somebody who got into competitive shooting because he wanted to become a, a better concealed carry uh, carrier. So he actually wanted to start off an IDPA and then realized they wouldn't allow inside the waistband holsters an IDPA. So he decided to shoot USPSA. Uh, and Gabe is, Gabe basically shot appendix carry uh, before appendix carry was kind of the rage with all the rule changes we had. So he basically shot limited with his concealed carry gear with a Glock 34 in limited minor. And he was a, and he was a limited master. Uh, wow. He could actually, when I finally met him in person, I realized, wow, he's really good. I mean, he could basically do a one second draw from concealment, a zone hit at seven yards. Wow, nice. Like he was legitimately good. And what Gabe did that I found uh, very engaging was that he actually talked about how USPSA made him forced him to question what was efficient and what made sense as a concealed carrier. So he traditionally started off with your three, four o'clock carry, and then he realized shooting USPSA that that wasn't particularly efficient. So he made the transition to appendix carry. And then the other part about USPSA was that, you know, the timer and the scores don't lie, right? Um, you, you can, you know, you can come up with all these very, uh, different rationales for why you don't shoot USPSA. But the reality is, is that if you want to test your ability in a defensive encounter, hey, can I actually draw uh, in, in a somewhat controlled environment and test my skills? You know, USPSA gave him that feedback and those metrics that he could really evaluate. And it forced him to become more and more and more efficient. So he got to the point where as a limited M shooting a Glock in appendix carry and minor, and he did his reloads from concealment too. So he literally wow. ran his entire concealment gear and he was so efficient and so effective at it that I looked at it and went, okay, like this guy, he gets a lot of respect from the different folks on the pistol forums. I should probably take a look at this and, and, and find, see, see what there is about it. So 
it was basically that link between the tactical defensive community and the competition community and that's how i found out about it um and so i looked up the different ranges uh in the san francisco bay area because if you want to do anything from the holster you basically have to do competitive shooting it's very difficult to be able to do that at a public mm. range so one of the things that we do at the uh the clubs here is that before you actually shoot your first match we actually teach a class uh to basically say hey here's the rules here's the rules of the game we just want to make sure you know how to draw from a holster and do the various safety elements so that your first match is not where you're trying to figure this out on the clock with all the different safety rules and so the club I started off at the time, it's it's now defunct. Uh, it's a Chabot uh, Tuesday Action Tuesday Act Task Tuesday Action Speech Speed Club or something like that. I forget. I, and for all those people that were Task guys, I apologize for butchering the name. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a it was a great introduction, and it's one of the things that I really liked was that my introduction to USPSA was not, you know, showing up at the range and uh, seeing Dave Wampler or Garaspi running around shooting <laughs> at a million miles an hour. It was, it was very right. much more a, a social event. So it was one of those places where we had one range and we had to build two stages side by side and you shot one and you shot the other and you scored. And it was a more leisurely introduction. It was a more friendly introduction so that you got to learn the non-shooting aspects of the sport. And so once I got comfortable in that environment to then go to a club that is a more competitive club, um, you know, I think that that concept of having a starter club where people can gently immerse themselves in the USPSA instead of jumping into the you know to the deep end of the pool, uh, yeah. that that was something that that I really appreciated, and it really made it so that I I could grow into uh, USPSA and become try to be more serious and be more competitive about it when I was ready to. So that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I found it. I I, re I literally decided one day I want to get better at pistol shooting. Um, I found Gabe White's training diary on the pistol forums and said, "Well, I'm going to go do this." Okay. And so, what uh, division do you shoot? Uh, I primarily shoot production now. Carry optics. Uh, when I first showed up, I literally had a olive drab Glock 19 and a Raven concealment <laughs> holster, Raven concealment pouches. Uh, I went and looked up the rules, and at the time, you couldn't. I had a Vickers mag release and a Vickers slide stop, and at the rules of the time, that put me in limited. So I just showed up and said, uh, "Hey, I'm shooting limited." So that's that's what I started off with, and eventually, I went into production. Uh, that's where most of the competition was at the time. So I shot CZs, then I shot Tan uh, um, and I guess right now, you know, the the heat is apparently in carry optics. So I, I finally yeah. decided that I should probably shoot with a dot. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely the fastest growing division, that's for sure. Well, I mean, it has it has quite a bit of appeal. You know, you, yeah. get, you get all the bullets. Uh, the entry is relatively cheap. You have all these guns coming out now that are essentially optics ready. You know, you have mechanic, uh, mechanic rivals, you have the Glock MOSs, you got the SIGs, you know, the yeah. 20s, and you're basically able to get into the sport for, what, under $1,000? So you get all the bullets. It's easier to aim with the dot, and you don't have to reload as much. So, to a certain extent, it, it is filling a a demand and a niche that you know people want, which is at the end of the day, it's fun. Uh, for me personally, I liked the the intellectual thinking that was required for production and single stack in terms of being able to break down a stage. 
and at the same time, I also understand. Uh, I also understand where the fun is, and just okay. I reload once. I have a dot, and I just shoot as fast as I can. And it has its own. It it, it comes with its own challenges, right? Yeah, you know, we're certainly finding that in carry optics, you're approaching open level speeds. Like you really have to be super efficient, and uh, it makes me wish that I was about ten years younger. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had found this uh, much younger because I was in my fifties when I found this game, this sport. Well, how how did you? So it's always an interesting question for me to ask. You know, how did you find out about USPSA? Well, I had a long hiatus. I mean, I got into my foray was rifles. I was on the Marine Corps rifle team. That's the picture up there. Nice. In in nineteen ninety, uh, and then I did long gun training. Uh, became a scout sniper, did all that stuff, and um, got out, had kids, did all that. So there was a long break, started getting back into rifle. And I forget what in the world happened, but it was like 2018. I was shooting rifle. I was driving down to North Carolina to shoot matches down there. And somehow came across, you know, uh, I wanted to start carrying a pistol and saw this competition stuff. So I actually contacted a club, the people who ran the matches. I'm like, Hey, can I just come down and watch? And they're like, Oh yeah, come on down. So went down there one day, watched for about 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, I got to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's how I found out about it. And I started buying my stuff, but I ended up having to go right into carry optics because I started to having to wear, I don't need glasses, but I use reading glasses right. because anything within arm's reach and in, I need something to kind of clear it up. And I was like, uh, that's not going to work well with iron sights and a target anymore, you know? So, um, that I didn't find it till 2018. And that's, and that seems to be the common message that I hear talking to different folks about how they got into competitive shooting it was it was word of mouth it was just sort of f almost finding it on accident yeah uh, that's you know, if, you're, if you're not if you're not really looking for that then it's it's not really something that you can easily google and say you know how do i get better at shooting a pistol or something like that and, and the first thing that pops up is a uspsa video or a, uh, an introduction into competitive shooting so that's uh, it's 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 an interesting subject to you know to tackle like how how do we make this not not make, but how could we better promote the sport to you know people that listen that that don't necessarily are not necessarily focused focused in this on a day to day day to day uh, process. Yeah, I know what you're saying, because there are a lot of people that would be like me that are out there that would be interested it interested in it, but they don't know what they don't know. Right. So yeah, I, I'm totally with it, and then. So then you, a year later, get your RO. Now, you just started the sport. What made you decide, you know what, I'm going to go be an RO? Um, so one of the things that, because our, uh, our Northern California section is very mature, the idea that people should go get RO certified is promoted from a very, uh, from a very early period. So you could be shooting for, you know, three to six months, and if sort of the old guard looks at you and says, hey, you know, you might have some potential, it's actually suggested fairly quickly. 
so it, it was just one of those, hey, you know, you, you th uh, I think you would do really good at the RO class. We always need more guys to help RO the matches. And the thing about the Northern California section is that we have enough of a critical mass of competitive shooters there that we can pretty much run a class whenever we want to and probably fill it. Um, it, it's, mm. it, it, is, it is a very, very unusual environment. Uh, you know, Carl Schmidt, uh, one of the uh, range master instructors, he used to be the Northern California section coordinator. And so, you know, he's always very, you know, it's always great to have him come down and teach uh, a class of uh, a class of ROs. You know, he has a lot of connections and relationships within the Northern California section. And he, you know, he's, a, he's a very good font of knowledge. And so we are fortunate enough that he still, even though he moved to Oregon, he's still close enough by that if we want to have a class, it's, it's, it's very easy for us to get 25, 30 people in a class uh, because the RO certification is also something that we uh, require people to have if they want to be able to practice at the range on their own. So, oh, uh, so oh, technically, okay. so technically, the the, the at Richmond, the range, is, the action range is close to the public. So, in order for you to be able to shoot there on your own, you have to essentially be a red hat. You have to be a, an, an RO either on the public line or shotgun skeet field or the action line. And so in order to be able to do that, you know, we, we don't necessarily demand it, but it, it's very strongly encouraged that you should get your RO certification. Uh, because at the end of the day, the, the more knowledgeable you are on the rules, it, it kind of helps spread the load, so to speak, of people being able to run matches in an effective manner. Okay. Well, that's pretty wild. Now, when we did the debate, I believe that was when you introduced yourself as a traveling RO. Um, what is your major match schedule look like? Uh, for this year? Yeah, we'll go this year. So for this year, let's see, we had the Roadrunner match that I helped out Greg Bond with in Fresno. That was a couple weeks ago. Two weekends from now, I'll be in Colorado State for the Bighorn match. So that's that's a match okay. that I started helping them with that match when they first started to back up under Price McDonald, and I just sort of stayed with that. And there's the Dragons Cup match down in Texas in May. So uh, Marco Davis, uh, the team Motley guys, Billy Dotson, you know that they were able to run that match for the first time last year and. I really wanted to help out Billy with that match. I know they're doing great things down there. I just wasn't able to because it was spring break. And my youngest said, you need to spend time with me. So I said, yes, I can spend time with you. <laughs> uh, then after that, uh, the match schedule is kind of clear until about September, where I'll be uh, going to Utah State. And then I think carry optics and nationals. And so is Utah State in August or September? U Utah State is traditionally Labor Day weekend. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So that's like the week before Carry Optics Nationals then. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. September is going to be pretty wild because I'll be at Utah State, then I'll go to Carry Optics Nationals, and then two weeks after that I'll be at Area 4. But Area 4, at least for now, I'm I'm going as a, as a dirty competitor, not as staff. Oh, so it's only going to be a one-day match for you. Uh, yes. So, uh, I'll be out there with my friend, John Bautista and, uh, Brian Levy and a couple of the other Texas guys. 
uh, Dave Lent, who, who runs the Humble Marksman podcast. And we're trying to figure out what our theme will be. Uh, last year, Dave Lent decided to dress himself up as the ultimate warrior. So I think uh, this year, <laughs> I think this year, well, we, we may all dress up in our best Lucha Libre costumes and try to have as much fun as possible. Oh, uh-oh, Leo's grabbing something. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's <Right>. funny. <laughs> if you need to borrow it, it's available. Just know I've worn it to bed before. That's okay. That means that means I'll, yeah. I'll have I'll have the magic. I'll have the magic. Your spirit. Yes, That's your, right. Your eagle power. It helped. It helped <laughs> yeah. Max Michelle. I mean, oh, nice. it's true. I get really? it. Yeah, see? Not the mask. Just to be very oh. clear, the mask was not. It was, I'm, we gotta, let's clarify the story. On the the off chance that Mr. Michelle is listening to this, he did not wear my mask. I touched it. We dapped, and he won nationals. So nice. After um, trailing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He, he was trailing at the time they did the fist bump. Then after the fist bump, he yeah. overtook everybody. So yeah, it was. I would like to point was, out that you know, no, go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so no, the best part of that story, was, it was, <laughs> no, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't this. It was because he read the back of my shirt. The whole point, I went up there to be like, hey, you should, you're cool. I think you're cool. You And you should listen to the thing and get him a dap. But what I said was, hey, you're really cool. Nice to meet you. Good luck. And then I left. And I got back to Dave and I said, hey, Dave, I totally forgot to tell him what the name of our podcast was. <laughs> And he's like, no, it's cool. You're wearing an orange shirt. He probably read it on the way out and was like, we're never listening to that weird guy ever again. So, but you're welcome because I'm the reason he won. But if you need this, let me know. I can send it to you. Oh, no. I, the Lucha yeah. Libre mask? Yes. Yeah. Nacho Libre. Yeah, that's basically my life. Is It's, it's, it's a biopic. That was a good movie. Yeah, I know. And they got Jack Black to play me. So, you know, it's because of the hair. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So if you need it, just, just we'll talk about it. A nominal fee of uh, a cool T-shirt, you can, you can borrow it. For, for sure. I'm easy. Well, so, what about what about a thousand primers? That, mira, Huggy, you're welcome. <laughs> That's like that's the equivalent of a million dollars these days. Yeah, and we can share some toast. Send it. Go to my chambers and have some toast. Send it. Send it. <laughs> so that that's got that's kind of it for this year. Um, certainly, the pandemic and finances have been a little bit more challenging over the last couple of years, and you know, with mm. price of gas and everything else, um, you know, it's 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 a legitimate concern. I think that we would have in the competitive shooting environment is. You know, at what point do we, you know, at what point do we start seeing fewer of the more casual shooters, so to speak, showing up? Because yeah, you know, you, you do have to kind of make a choice at some point. Yeah, I mean, you're always probably going to get your uh, super squad, but beyond that, you know, it's there's going to be some trickle down there because of the cost of everything. So yeah, yeah and now, not everybody can be sponsored. So right. It's also a lot true. of out of out of pocket so, costs, yeah, and that goes back to for companies, so. that's where if you're an RO CRO, it pays dividends because now at least some of your costs are covered. 
for the match. You know, you're not paying the match fee and they're, you know, they're going to cover your lodging and that type of stuff. Whereas the casual shooter, like me, who's going in September, yep. you know, everything's out of pocket for me. You got, you planning on driving down there? I am going to drive down there. Yeah. How long is the drive from uh, Northern Virginia? Uh, it's like 10 hours, 10, 11 hours. Okay. It's not terrible. So it depends on how much caffeine I have. Could be nine. So. Okay, then. I mean, I've made it to almost Florida in about 10 hours. I mean, uh, I'm Miami in 10 hours. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's definitely, uh, that's definitely I've, cannibal run stuff right there. I've, I've driven straight through from where I am to Houston, which is 18... 15, 1800 miles in 21 hours nonstop. I only stopped to pee and fuel up. So mainly fuel up and pee while I was fueling up. Right. So Whew. I'm not, yeah, driving is not foreign to me. So uh, <laughs> now, how crazy do you think it's going to be? I, I think it's awesome that Carry Optics is standalone. Um, we don't need to get into, you know, how many. Stages we think would be better, but uh, I think it's awesome that it's a standalone and that it's about five weeks before the big four uh, nationals. I'm hoping, how crazy do you think it would be if Christian Seiler showed up as well to shoot carry optics nationals with everybody else who's probably going to be there? This could be more stacked than last year. I would not be. I would not be surprised. Uh, I would actually. It would actually be very interesting to see Christian show up and shoot carry optics nationals. I mean, I think based on some of the Instagram stuff I've seen, you know, that's something. That's certainly something he's considering. Yeah. So that's what yeah, I'm that thinking. would be. That would be very interesting to see, actually. But then you know, there's there's always that question of of you know well. We, you know, to, to a certain extent, it's it's a little selfish. We do want to see the very best in the sport shoot as many divisions as possible. I think certainly there is this recognition that, you know, excellence is excellence regardless of the platform that you use. Um, and then there's, you know, there's also something to be said of having them devote themselves to a particular platform and you know demonstrate excellence in that so but th that being said you know it's going to draw numbers i mean christian has you know been an open guy he, he did shoot limited 10 nationals last year if i remember correctly but for him to show up with with carry optics and a dot and you know minor and no comp um you know it, it would certainly be an intriguing storyline if if he were to show up for sure absolutely i mean and uh, you know, I'm hearing Jacob's probably going to be there, so it could it could very well eclipse last year, which I thought was pretty magnanimous. So uh, I'm excited. Oh, someone else is excited too. I love that yeah, word. Many. I love that oh. word, magnanimous. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you have a I'm, house saying, full of great names. Yeah. yeah, all I'm saying is Dave's going to be there, so it's already going to be exciting. I mean, this is true. <laughs> do you, does anybody else really be. need to eat? Well, it'll be it'll be great. All he's got to do is get that mask from you. 
That's easy. I can drive that. That's, I mean, I don't even mail that. I'll just bring it to work one day, and he'll be like, hey, thanks. Send it. Send it. That's a thousand primers. Send it. Well, to be fair, I did, I just, I did say a thousand primers. I didn't say what condition they would be. Oh, they would be I like what are those what are those chalk candy sweet tarts crushed in them? You'd like, here you go, here's your primers. <laughs> no, no, if it was a thousand primers, it would be it would be a thousand primers. Oh, that's funny. That'd be a good prank. I won't say that. It would be. That would be. I'm going to set him a mask and he's going to win. He's going to be like, oh my gosh, there's real power in that mask. <laughs> mask and an eagle egg. He'll be good to go. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Now, talking about the ROing stuff, are there, you don't have to, I'm not asking for names, obviously, but. Do you have? Are there certain competitors you look forward to ROing, and then others that make you cringe a little bit? No, I, I like. I, I don't. There, I don't have a preference. I mean, I. The thing I like the most about ROing is that it's it's an opportunity for me to see everybody that shoots the match. Uh, it's the opportunity to basically give them the best opportunity to perform on that stage. You know, no distractions, no nothing, as long as you know there's no issues with the stage. And so every competitor that comes through, you know, I love, I love basically seeing all of them, even the ones, I, again, I guess I've, I've never really had a competitor come through where I go, oh, okay, like, you know, hang on. Um, it's just, it's something that I found that when you're, when you're fair and you're professional and you take, you know, the extra five, 10 seconds to explain a particular scoring call or, or why, this procedure is being assessed and you do it in a, a professional manner, you do it in a mature manner. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, the ROs, we all started as competitors. So being able to keep that in mind, thinking, okay, if I was a competitor, how would I want to be treated in this particular situation? And if you kind of use that as the golden rule, um, it generally works out, you know, more often than not. Okay. What's your best RO story you got? Like I, and for example, like last year at Area Seven, the guy who stumbled over and looked like he went unconscious but kept his pistol pointing downrange. That's a story I would love to talk to that RO. Like, what was running through your mind when that dude did that? Do you have any good RO stories? Um, well, <laughs> I actually do have one and for the okay. people that are involved in the story uh names are changed to protect the innocent so it is actually a i like story. it so we're at we're at the roadrunner match uh this past weekend and we had a guy who was shooting pcc so the the he has a malfunction and best as we can tell the bullet was a little bit too long so it was actually in the lands well he goes through his standard mm. tap rack bang so he rips out the old bag, puts in the new bag, racks the the bolt, uh, but apparently he had a forward assist on that PCC. So of course, when he racks the bolt, the bullet's left in the lands, gets pulled away from the case. You see the case eject, and the bolt goes in there, and it obviously stops. Well, he was able to get the bolt to go into battery. Ooh. So now we've got 
bullet, like the, the, the projectile, and a live round right behind it. Oh, and it's probably it, compressed into the cylinder or into the casing. Oh yeah, no, it, it and and it was a battery, so bang. Yeah. Obviously, fortunately for him, um, it just blew the bag out because there was so little, there was so little room. It basically moved the projectile a couple of feet into the barrel, and then it just blew the living tar out of the uh, other round. So you know, uh, rack jam, boom, drops. Uh, my timer RO kind of flinches. So it turned out she had some frag that hair in her hand. You know, no big deal. It wasn't at that time. And I'm the tablet RO. And, and, and of course, the natural inclination when something blows up in your hand is I need to get this thing out of my hands, out of my hands. So he, he, <laughs> right. just, he, just, he just tosses the PCC on the ground. And at that point, it's like, okay, stop. All right, everybody's okay. So we get I, I get up there. Um, the, my other offside RO, we had three ROs at the time. So I, I look up and I turn it over and I see that the bolt is slightly out of battery. So try to dry, extract it. Obviously, isn't going to come out. So I mortar it and I see the round fly out and go, okay, let's go ahead and get that. Then we're able to put the chamber flag in. And then I stand up. He picks up the round. I look at it. And it, there's a hole about the size of my fingernail in the base of the case because the energy really only had two places to go. A little yeah. bit forward and a little bit back. And the we actually initially thought that the round was upside down because it the 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 round nose was completely flattened. So there was just enough kinetic energy to send the projectile forward. So we ended up knocking the squib out later. So but here's the here's the, the entertaining part of it. So I'm sitting around holding this rifle, uh, and it's cleared, and we're like, okay, now what do we do? You know, the range we've already called the range master, he was just a couple stages down, and I turn around. And uh, so this guy basically sees a little pinprick of blood on his bicep. And I turn around, he looks at it and goes, I'm bleeding, I need a tourniquet. And I look at him and go, <laughs> you don't need a tourniquet right now, you'll be fine. And he says again, I need a tourniquet. <sighs> okay, like, it was a relative... It was a relatively newer shooter, and I totally get it. You know, it was something that had was outside of what he was expecting, and you know, when you're relatively new, you're you're almost immediately thinking worst case scenario, right? So he's not totally into shock, but he's very singular focused on. I see blood, and he's thinking worst case scenario. So yes. we turn around and go, hey, you know, we need medical attention over here, you know, and we had somebody on the squad who had used to work for Cal Fire, so he had some uh, emergency medical knowledge uh, we had someone else who was an er nurse was in the military beforehand so of course they're all dragging him off over there while i get this and you know the range master comes up and i handle the bullet and we look at it and we're sort of talking about what happens we're talking about what happens and then we get to the very end and i go and i realize oh yeah i guess he did drop his gun he's probably dq yeah he's dq uh, because i mean literally bang oh just threw the gun on the ground so okay fine he's dq uh, so we go through that whole particular process, but then the story gets better, right? So this guy thinks, you know, he needs a tourniquet. So everybody's like, no, you're fine. They, they, you know, get it, literally, it was a pinprick of blood, right? You would get more blood from a needle, like drawing blood. So then uh, apparently the guy lifts his shirt up, turns around and goes, Hey, can anybody see if I have a through and through? Cause I mean, no, he is, he is literally going like worst case scenario. Something blew up in my hand. And, and, and you know look i get it you know he's right he's very singular focused on what the potential would be but you know you hear the story afterwards and you're like 
dude, if you had a through and through, you would not be standing there, right? <laughs> if you had a through and through, I looked over and I see blood on your jersey. I'd be like, uh, yes, uh, forget about this rifle right now. We're taking care of you. The rifle can wait until later. So, you know, he goes through this whole process of getting checked and they finally, you know, bandage up his bicep. Uh, he has a little bit of ble- uh, uh, a bleeding on his knee, but again, you know, like a skinned knee. And then he, you know, we try to get him calmed down. He's, he's sort of decompressing and processing what happened. Uh, and then, you know, he decides he should go to the ER. So they go to the ER and then they take the pictures afterwards. I mean, literally, you know, I think I've gotten more frag thrown in my face from a steel challenge match. So, but again, it, it's, uh, you know, to go back to what we talked about with how people react, you know, actually under fire when, when things yes. are happening, it's very interesting to see how, you know, in his mind, he thought something blew up in my hand. I felt something hit my body. And because, you know, he doesn't know what to expect, he's immediately going to the worst case scenario. So, yeah. So I guess, you know, when everybody saw me the next day, they were like, hey, you man, I'm bleeding. I need a tourniquet. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> too soon, bro. Too soon. <laughs> so that, that's, that's probably one of the more interesting stories that I've had. Is, and fresh, know, too. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had people fall down. You know, I've had people, um, I've had people, you know, blow up guns before, uh, it's it's you know the interesting thing about ROing is that it's very it's very experience driven. So there's a lot of things you could read in the rule book that make it seem like oh if I know this I know everything and then you kind of have to experience. It's like hearing a squib, you know. You, you, first time you hear a squib, you know exactly what it sounds like for the rest of your time. But until you hear a squib, you just go wait what was that? Uh, no, that was a squib. So that was probably the most hilarious story. Well, and, and uh, in a way, I don't blame him because, I mean, you know, JFK got hit with a bullet that did a whole bunch of different things. So, you know, hitting a bicep, ricochet down, get you in the kneecap, you know, could have been yeah, another but magic bullet. He couldn't have asked for a tourniquet because half of his brain was on the back end of the <laughs> trunk. Well, that was a different magic bullet than this one. Yeah. But, you know, this because pistol, rifle, they're not the same. Just say for future reference, this is from three paramedics. <laughs> Next time he asked for a tourniquet, just put it on and you crank that sucker all the way he'll never ask for a tourniquet again and technically i just went through this class technically you're supposed to put on a second one so you ask what? for one right bro you get two yeah. really yes. yeah yep. yes uh-huh yeah, that's what they're starting to teach yep. yeah. you don't get one you're supposed to get two put them bad boys on and just keep cranking and he'll be like i'm good i'm good no i'm good no, you're not. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Nope. You still need another twist. Yeah, that was. Um, mm, yeah. I mean, like I, I said, it. I get it. Ish. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, again, I mean, That's you know, all. when you look at it from the perspective of, I don't know, it's it. So you guys are all paramedics, so you you you're you're familiar with how people respond under stress, right? And so, mm-hmm. as much yeah. as I hate to say it, I, I'm. I'm probably in that category where people people think I am not a psychopath, but you know, not normal. You know, things will happen, and I'll just kind of go, "Okay, well, that isn't that serious, right?" I mean, I've had, you know, even when I got shot, I mean, like the first response out of my mouth was, "Well, close the door. If we don't see the rounds, we're okay." You know, and you sort of have that sort of response. Uh, you know, and, and you'll have people that they get that, and they they immediately go into like worst case scenarios. So. Um, 
right. I, 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 I empathize with how he felt because something unexpected happened and, you know, he kind of went worst case scenario. And for me, I was just like, uh, yeah. dude, I barely, I barely. You're, you're definitely, you're definitely a better man than me. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know if I'd have been that nice. <laughs> no, Huggy would have thrown him on his back run him to, <laughs> to the whatever evac vehicle been like bam let's go and just i mean huggy would have saved the crap out of that dude well so and so it, it would have been like saving saving uh uh forrest gump right he'd just be running into the jungle and just keep yep. pulling people out. I, I, i'd be running he's, he's done stuff like that to me <laughs> And oh, yeah. Dave would yeah. be in his car, be like, "You need to run faster." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can, Leo can tell you. Ask about a trash can. Oh, yeah. ooh, trash can! Oh, I've I, been I saved story. into a trash can by that man. Trust me, he'll save. You. Really? <laughs> oh <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Did oh, your, how long did it take your ribs to yeah. recover? Uh, it was about three weeks. God, that, that, that reminds me the first time we had to learn how to uh, do fireman carries in the Marine Corps. So I think at the time I was, what, like 5'9", and they put me with the biggest dude in the platoon. Like six foot seven, two, no, like 280 pounds, and I'm like, <sighs> Yeah, oh, yeah. That's what I spent all week doing was just carrying people up and down stairs. Yeah, it's not fun. I had to I had to drag Huggy. That was when we got stationed on the truck together. That was the test. Huggy was the biggest guy on the ladder truck. You had to drag him across the parking lot because if you couldn't save Huggy, you weren't allowed to be on the unit. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, just with the just with the regular underarm drag or? Oh no! Like this is in full gear. Oh oh yeah. Oh. I don't know if you could tell. Huggy's not light. Uh, yes, I, I am. <laughs> I yeah. will have to take your word for that. But yeah, he'll 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 save he'll save you, he'll save you. All right, yeah. he'll save the ever loving Jesus. Two tur- but next time, yeah, next time two tourniquets. Two tourniquets, got it. <laughs> yeah, two. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was probably that's probably the the funniest story I can think of. Just. I need a tourniquet. No, you don't. I that, need that's a pretty good one. Okay. Somebody I mean, I'm glad he's okay. No, At the end was, of the day, was, I'm glad I'm, yeah. I'm glad he's okay. Yes, I'm glad he's fine. Yeah. But that that's people are going to be talking about that for a long time. Yes, and when I see you next time, I'm going to tell you I'm going to get, like, get down on one knee and I'm going to start crying. I'm like, please call my mother. <laughs> okay. I need a tourniquet. I'm going to trademark this right now. T-shirt, but instead of an American flag on it, you put a tourniquet. That way you always you have go. a tourniquet. TM. Wow. I'm trademarking that's that some, right now. That's some, that's some, that's some good thinking right I, there. It's a verbal contract between the four of us. Oh, it's, it's all you. Yeah. I'm going to sell that joker. So what do you what do you do now professionally if you don't mind me asking you, man? Uh, well, I was working so I was working as a program project manager. I did some uh, technical training, and then my my kids were born. So my oldest is on the spectrum and he has a rare genetic disorder, and so I 
I chose at the time to basically be a stay at home parent. And that is pretty much, pretty much what I do these days, stay at home parent okay. and USPSA. And uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, I see where your Marine Corps background and leadership would help in your running for USPSA president. Um, but what is actually motivating you to do that? That's a really good question. A fair amount of it just comes from the discussions I've had with competitors across the United States uh, as staff and as competitors. Literally just talking about, you know, what we love about the sport and, and the things that we feel that could be improved upon. And, you know, when you, Dave, when, when they talk about being in the Marine Corps, you, you sort of, you end up getting groomed for greater and greater positions. They sort of tell you, like, when you're a Lance Corporal, you want to, you want to learn the, the billet above you so that in case that happens, you're able to take, take charge in the appropriate position. And, and there was right. certainly an aspect to that of thinking, you know, I've, I've served competitors as a, a regular RO, as a chief range officer matches as a range master and just there there is a, a little bit of civic feeling of you know i really just want to serve all of the members and bring you know the knowledge and experiences and and the love of shooting and the, the societal aspect that we you know we sort of talk about but we really don't talk about that and just bring us all, bring us all together to make the sport, you know, better than, than better for the future, you know, to be able to sustain that, you know, USPSA has done, you know, a great many things for me. It certainly made me a f much better pistol shooter. Uh, it's given me the opportunity to meet folks from all across the spectrum, all walks of life in terms of their backgrounds. Um, I, I, I met my current girlfriend through USPSA working it matches and and this and she lives all the way in florida like there's you know you can't really make this stuff up it's almost the same way of wow. trying to t explain to people what it's like in the military you, you, the the reality is almost stranger than fiction and because usbsa has done so much for me personally uh, as as an individual you know, I, I i just feel that it's important to to give back to the score to give back in a way that you know, impacts, impacts the clubs and impacts the members in a positive way. Okay. Pretty interesting. Now, are, is there any concern, and I don't mean to get too personal, is there any concern that that might take too much with the way they've come out with the, um, the newest uh, version of the USPSA president and all the travel time that it seems like there's going to be involved. Do you, is there any concern that that might take too much time from your, did you say it was your son who has the genetic disorder? Well, the, the nice thing is that, you know, my wife and I had a, my ex-wife and I, we had a, a non-adversary divorce. So we we're actually quite adult about it in terms of balancing the responsibilities. So as a, you know, generally during the week, uh, I, I manage most of his uh, hospital visits and so on and so forth. And then on the weekends, you know, cer certainly at some point, it's like anything else, you know, you, you basically address it and deal with it as best you can. It's all the joys of right. adulting. So, right. 
Okay. Well, that's a, well, good for you for having that. Uh, mine didn't turn out that way. So <laughs> my divorce is a little different. Oh, it's all yeah. Good. Well, I, I had I had a Marine that was attached to me from Camp Lejeune, and yeah, he found out about his divorce over satellite phone. That was not awesome. Uh, uh I got that beat. Oh, when oh, oh. when here you go. Here's a story for you. Here's a Marine Corps story for you. When I left second, so I left second recon battalion okay. right before they were literally deploying to go to Desert Storm. I was a team leader. Right. I had gotten orders. I had re-enlisted. I had gotten orders to come up to Quantico to be a scout sniper instructor. So I went up and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to the desert from Quantico in, you know, in that capacity. I never went anywhere. I just trained reservists. However, there were only a couple of us left um, when the unit shipped out. And one of those guys was EASing. He was a sergeant. For his wife's Christmas present, he got a big box. And then a smaller box inside that, smaller box inside that, smaller box inside that. In that smallest box were divorce papers. That's probably the most screwed up way I've ever heard of to give some or notify someone that they were getting divorced. Christmas Day, that's, opening up that present. Wow, that's pretty good. I, I mean, That's my a maintenance. Shot in the jingle bells right there. Well, I mean, I had a, I had a maintenance, I had a maintenance chief, and so he was married, and he was in Afghanistan. I remember him posting about, you know, hey, I'm looking forward to coming back. You know, I love my wife. Blah blah blah. Comes back to an empty house, completely stripped, uh, because apparently she was having relations with a Navy corpsman who NCIS was investigating for drugs. So I, to be perfectly oh, honest, man, I, wow. I, I feel like, I feel like we could just make a series about best military divorces. Yeah. Because they're, yeah, For sure. again, you're like, wait, what? That, huh? Yes. And, and you could lump that all into just deployment stories. Cause I've got a million more, you know, whether, you know, things going on at, at the house while you're deployed and mm -hmm. what happens when you come back. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. its own soap opera. Oh, yes. And, and the, the yeah, that's the, how the, are you pregnant right now? I've been gone for a year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's the gift yeah. that keeps on giving. Every year, there'll be new stories. <laughs> Every year, new right. stories. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. There's no way you could top this. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was, I had a question earlier. Again, what was the name of the gentleman who was the uh, CrossFit I president? I thought you Oh no, there will be no there will be no board punching on this show, please, thank you. <laughs> but my thought was, imagine that guy who you said uh, the CrossFit president was, who would come out and chew with you guys. I can imagine what would be running through his mind is like, wow, imagine all the CrossFit things I could do in a U make, make people do in a USPSA match. Um, <laughs> no, actually not. I mean, so Dave Castro was, he was, uh, I actually knew him when he was still in Southern California uh, before he got out of, 
believe the Navy SEALs at the time. Again, don't quote me if I'm wrong, Dave. I'm really sorry if I'm getting this information incorrect. Uh, but he he was already familiar with competitive shooting, and so we, it was actually very interesting having discussions with him. You know, once he became president of CrossFit, just talking about the challenges of you know promoting promoting CrossFit as well as you know the uh, as well as USPSA. You know, it's 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 very interesting discussions on. You know, how do you how do you market USPSA to you know to the general audience that you know you would think that CrossFit people would be somewhat interested, but you know there there is definitely a stigma attached with firearms in general that you know it was a it was a challenge for him as well. Gotcha. But yeah, he he never really he never thought about it. I mean, we we talk every once in a while. Um, and it was just it was very it was very general based questions. You know, Dave has always been a, a great Second Amendment supporter. You kind of see on Instagram that he kind of talks about that he's very much a supporter of CrossFit and kind of you know what what that was while he was president. So he's he's a great dude. All right, cool. <clears throat> um, well, that's what I have. Huggy, you have anything? No. All I know is that next time I see you. I'm going to get down on one knee and I'm going to have you call my mother. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to do like, uh, was it back in the day? Uh, was it San Fernando? I'm going to be like, oh. I'm coming. I lied. Oh, God. That was such a great show. Yeah. Yeah, it was back in the day. <laughs> but I have nothing else. Okay. I was, all, I, all I want to say is that it was great uh, talking to you again. Always good seeing Absolutely. you. No, always a pleasure. I'm, I'm always happy to come out and talk to you guys. Well, unfortunately, Leo's uh, computer did an auto restart, so he he's going to be out. It looks like for the end of the the end of the <laughs> show. His computer needs a tourniquet. Yeah, his computer needs a tourniquet. He should have put the there mask on there. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, you man, thank you for coming on. This is awesome. It was a great conversation. It's good to get to know you. All right. No, as likewise. Hope you guys are staying safe out there on the East Coast. And I'll just remember to bring lots of tourniquets when I see you next. There you go. There you go. We'll see you at Nationals. Sounds good. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm.